Yeah, the deal was 31,000 net rentable square feet. Everyone always asks for units. That's how I know you're not in storage. You're in multifamily. No one in storage asks for how many units do you have. Everyone asks how many net rentable. 31,000 existing net rentable square feet. We had the ability to do a 34,000 square foot expansion. So we're doubling the size of the facility. We're in the process of executing on that as we speak. We just closed on that uh, about two weeks ago. And um, you know, our goal here is to get this thing going vertical in June. I could not thank you enough for tuning in every week with me on The Dwelling Show. We've been doing this for more than two years now, actually. Um, this is um, when the 200s now about the episode of the show. I just want to take this time out to really thank you so much, but also to remind you that if you're not on the dwelling deal list, make sure you sign up so you don't miss out on deals. Actually, we we have a deal on the contract right now. So for these kinds of deals, to learn more about what what we're doing, to learn about how we structure deals, feel free to go on the website dwelling.com or investwithola.com and you would see um, a pop-up box or just drop um, your email in the contact us um, form and we'll reach out to you so you'll get plugged in with what we're doing again i really appreciate you for tuning in every week sometimes i feel like nobody is listening on the other side until i get emails or dms from you on instagram or facebook and saying thank you for you know spitting out content every week um, it's a ton of work but i'm so glad to do it and it's my honor to deliver value every week um, to you um, our listeners thank you so much Thank you so much for joining us on The Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got an incredible guest with us today, Mark Maguire. Hey, Mark, how's it going, sir? Doing great, Ola. Happy to be here, brother. Yeah, no, likewise. Um, you have a terrific story. Cannot wait to hear it. And as a matter of fact, let's jump right into it. Can you tell our listeners who Mark is, what you do, and what you've been doing lately, actually? Yeah, so um, I'm with Hearthfire Capital, and uh, we specialize in self-storage. And um, we syndicate self-storage. We acquire self-storage facilities in the eastern Midwest and the mid-Atlantic regions of the United States. So we've been raising capital and acquiring self-storage facilities. We have about 420,000 net rentable square feet under our management, uh, about, just about $50 million in assets in totality and um, 12 facilities. Awesome. So um, just to kind of backtrack a little bit um, for, for some of them, I'd be thinking, well, these guys, you know, they've got 50 million. I, I'm, I just mentally going to check out because I can't connect or relate to this guy. Let's let's try to backtrack a little bit. So before all of that, before you joined the, the you know, the firm, what were you doing, um, you know, with with your life and, and why did you say, hey, I want to go do real estate? So before I joined Hearthfire, I was in residential real estate sales. I uh, got started in residential real estate sales when I was 22. Um, this was with uh, Keller Williams and, um, you know, just learned about the team concept and learned about the idea of building a business and, you know, the facets of running a business. And so up until, you know, a couple of years ago, that was what I was doing. And, um, you know, I really... I'm grateful for the lessons that I learned and for, you know, all that that business taught me about sales and dealing with people and, uh, you know, understanding profit and loss statements and balance sheets and, you know, hiring and hiring incorrectly and how to deal with the incorrect hires. And so, um, 
that was really what kind of got me to where I was and, you know, started, I was making pretty good money and I was just trying to live on as little as I could without feeling like I was punishing myself, but I was investing as much as I possibly could. So just constantly investing, investing, investing. And that's ultimately how I got off fire. Hmm. Awesome. So I, I like that, you know, working in kind of real estate sales, a little bit different from obviously, as you now know, syndication, right? Totally different worlds, but you had some transferable skills um, doing that. And that, that really obviously make all the difference for you. Um, the other thing I want to mention is um, first and foremost, if somebody is thinking about getting started in real estate, do you think they should get a real estate license? Do you think that's a good path to go? Um, through or they should just kind of go straight into whatever it is that they find interesting flipping commercial whatever yeah if you're buying i would actually say it's a detriment to have a license um you know some people think that they're going to get you know deals through the mls or whatnot if they're going to do single family i think if you find the right person who's doing good business and you demonstrate your ability to be serious and and um you're you're very responsive you're going to get calls and when the opportunity comes up. So um, I would tell you not to get a license personally. Yeah, there's, I mean, two schools of thought, right? Um, it really depends on your vantage point. So I really appreciate that. So you obviously, like like you said, you were doing well in realistic sales <clears throat> and then you, you made that transition, right? You could have gone any route, but you chose self-storage. Why? Uh, self-storage is fascinating. It, it's it was not popular, you know, just three, four, five years ago, uh, really has become incredibly popular with private equity and, and, you know, a lot of these alternative capital sources that were in other assets before COVID because self-storage performed really well. So I chose to get into self-storage. I came from the multifamily world. That was what I grew up in and really learned. And, you know, they never failed on a Friday at, 9 p.m. when you get the call that a toilet was clogged and overflowing and leaking down to the floor below you. So, you know, not only is one unit affected, but the other units affected too. And that's the stuff that, you know, unless you're in really nice, you know, newer A-class stuff, you're buying C-class apartments, which is, are very necessary in the world. That's where a lot of opportunity is. They just come with their share of problems. So it's toilet leaks and sink leaks and hot water heater leaks. And, you know, at a certain point, self-storage really only has one leak and that's a roof leak. There's no toilets. There's no running water. And, you know, people, it's pretty sticky. So if you, in self-storage, a lot of the, the revenue management is the term that they use for it. It's done via percentage. It's not done by a fixed dollar amount. So Imagine your rent is $2,000 a month and someone says, hey, I'm going to give you a 10% rent increase. It goes from 2000 to 2200 That's a really hefty rent increase. And you know people are not going to be happy. In self-storage, if people get a 10% rent increase, they go from $100 to $110. Are you going to go rent a moving truck and move all your stuff to a facility down the road, which may be more expensive than the unit you're currently renting, by the way, for 10 bucks a month? That's like Netflix. It's less than Netflix now. I said, oh, that is so funny um, that you said that. Cheaper than Netflix, right? Um, <laughs> so for, for those that are also um, on the other side of this thinking, why would anybody use self-storage, right? Maybe they're just totally new. Maybe you know they just never really, this is the first podcast they're listening to. 
like what's the need for self-storage like somebody might be thinking i didn't even know this was a thing right um what that's where i started that? i mean i had the same reaction <laughs> i was like this is where everybody goes to store their boats that they're never going to restore and their beat up cars and stuff just melts into the ground why would i want to own any of that and you know, actually, what's really interesting is uh, the millennials are one of the largest users of self-storage. They're the largest generation who's utilizing self-storage now. And um, self-storage utilization rate has really continuously increased. Um, and so people are becoming more familiar with what it is. It's not, I'm going to say, so stigmatized, kind of like actually mobile home parks. Mobile home parks were another asset class that was very kind of just like mobile home parks. You don't want to invest in that. Now people are like, hey, I want to buy a mobile home park because people are starting to realize the advantages. So self-storage is, um, you know, they're, people are, they're, they're building nicer quality units. And, um, and even the facilities that are being acquired and by a new uh, operator who's coming in to, you know, do some renovations and improvements on them, they're improving the lighting they're improving the security, they're improving the look and the feel of the, the facility so that it appeals to a different buyer. And um, it's not just for people to store stuff that they're literally just like surrendering to you. It's, it's much more of a, I would say, a civilized, <laughs> at least in the eyes of the public, a civilized business now. Fascinating take. So, of course, you made that transition from selling real estate to now investing in real estate, which is what I tell people. Totally different. The investing part is what you want to do. <laughs> so, but how did you make that transition, though? Because it's not easy to go from selling houses to buying, you know, self-storage assets. So, you know, five million, ten million. I don't know what the, your first deal was. How did you make that transition? So, you know, it's interesting. I I bought along the way when I was in residential sales, I was the guy who bought before I actually ever really sold. And um, you know, so I was never that false prophet who was proclaiming how great real estate was, but I didn't own any of it. There's, there's a lot of those people in residential real estate sales. I would like, I would always ask people in my office, Hey, how many properties do you own? And you know, there's a, there's a staggeringly low number by the way. And so went from buying my own units and then trying to buy larger units because I realized, you know, you have, whether it's one single condo or it's a four unit, you have four units that diversify, you know, the, your, your mortgage. So if, if you have one unit, you have one renter. And when they move out, you go from cash flow positive of five, six, $700 a month to $0, negative dollars a lot. And, you know, in a four unit, you can have one unit vacant and you can still cash flow it and have cash flow positive. So I started to realize the economies of scale and why people start buying larger units and then realized that I only had so much time in a day to do residential real estate sales, deal with tenants who have problems that are just telling me their toilets are overflowing and you know their sinks are clogging. So I started to get into the idea of syndication where I was just the LP and the LP is a limited partner. It's somebody who's just writing the, the, the equity check and that's your, your single solitary role in the deal. And so went from my own deals to, you know, investing in other people's deals. And when I was investing in those other people's deals, I was getting access to knowledge 
and I was getting to understand the underwriting and I was getting to understand the business plans and how these operators were creating value and how what type of debt were they getting and what were the terms that they were looking for and if it was favorable or not favorable. So I got to sit in the passenger seat and learn how to drive as the driver was driving on the road. So that was what really spurred my interest. And I'm like, you know, at some point, I think I can do this. And that's how I got here. Wow. Fascinating. Okay. So maybe jump right into it. Tell us your first um, commercial deal where you became a GP. I'm an LP. So general partner, limited partners to general partner. Yeah. So just to clarify, limited partners, only writing the check for equity. The general partner is the person who's putting the deal together and operating the deal, signing on the debt. You know, the person who is responsible for, for executing the, the deal, putting it together, finding it and executing. So my first one that I did uh, was almost two years ago now. And, um, you know, I, I actually came in, I was coming in initially as an equity partner and um, my partner, Sergio and, and Corinne, they said, you know, hey, do you want to work together? Because I had helped them. I basically shared it with a bunch of people I invested with and helped them raise a bunch of money. Not from the standpoint that I, I was getting anything from it because I wasn't. I just like them as people and I like the deal. And so, you know, Serge and Corinne realized that, you know, I had a, and I actually put Serge through the paces too. I, I asked him, I gave him a, an entire once over on everything and, and asked a lot of questions to get comfortable because this was my first time investing with him. And after it was all said and done, he realized kind of the depth of my understanding of the process. And, um, you know, he showed me the back end of some things and that the rest was just kind of history. He realized I had a skill set that, you know, was going to help them go farther. So tell me the composition of Healthfire like right now today. So you're the chief investment officer. What is kind of the team? What, what, what does that look like? I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. So um, our, our, our leadership team, there's there's five of us in the leadership team. There's Sergio Altamari, Corinne Altamari. Um, and I, I'm not really, a, I have a title, but I'm not really a titles guy. I'm just more of a, hey, let's get things done and let's uh -huh. do the job. I can relate. Um, there's Steve Layler uh, and then Jim McAllister and myself. And, um, you know, from accounting and compliance to, you know, financial, you know, CFO, CEO, COO, you know, that encompasses all of that. And, um, you know, I really handle the, the investor side of the house and, and, you know, kind of looking at the deals and trying to figure out, okay, can it, can we sell this? Is this a product that's saleable? Will people buy, you know, what, what preferred returns are we going to need to have? What, what, what type of debt do we need to get? You know, what type of returns do investors need to see at, you know, at the end of the project from an IRR and from an equity multiple standpoint, can we get that deal done? Um, that's where I'm coming into play. And then, um, you know, Serge and Corinne, uh, Corinne's really doing a lot of the marketing side of the house, handling the investor communications with everything outbound. Um, and, you know, just our general marketing, socials, brand awareness, uh, conferences, and then Serge is really the one who's kind of leading the direction and the vision for the company and, you know, looking at what's next and where do we need, what direction do we need to go to make sure that, you know, we remain a viable company for long into the future. It's funny, actually, when I asked that question, um, I wasn't thinking of all of that, but it just shows like the level, the depth 
um, of, of collaboration that goes into buying these larger assets <laughs> compared to like, you know, flipping a property, right? Like it's just, you just need a, a team to, to really run this machine, right? It's so important to have the team and you got to have the right team. And, and I think there's not enough emphasis. Everyone wants to talk tactics, but no one wants to talk, you know, I'm going to say dividing and conquering and finding the right people to, to execute those certain key skills. So, you know, if you think about it, you're going to take down a, a large property. Well, someone's got to find it and then you got to go and do the due diligence on it. So, you know, you, and then you got to go and actually procure the financing and take it down. So you, in, in that you need someone to, and, and the acquisitions you need someone on the transaction management, you need someone from finance, and then you need someone as an analyst and an underwriter. So, I mean, there's four roles just in those four things I just mentioned. And that had nothing to do with coming up with the collateral for you know the pitch deck and the you know creating the subscription agreement and the operating agreements and you know all of the then doing the webinars and the actual fielding of the calls to to raise the capital and then you got to collect the capital and then bring the plane in and land it. So it's a lot that goes into it. And if you don't got the right people on your side, you're gonna pull your hair out, you're gonna lose it all. Yep. 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 So I, I love that. Now let's jump into a, a case study, um, kind of give us a deal, just choose whichever one you like. Maybe you made the most money or you made the most impact, um, a self-storage deal that you guys bought. How did you find that deal and how did you fund that deal? So a pretty good segue here for us. Uh, yeah. So, um, we closed on a deal, um, off market, uh, uh found it through our acquisitions, uh, team. Um, through their, I mean, they were doing direct broker and direct seller outreach and uh, broker had a listing coming up that was off market, didn't really want to list it. That's, that's how we, you know, we got first shot. We got the only shot. You were looking for how much was, how, how do we fund it? Right. Mm -hmm. And just a little bit more like about the deal. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to give so numbers, the deal was a 31,000. Yeah. The deal was 31,000 net rentable square feet. Everyone always asks for units. That's how I know you're not in storage. You're in multifamily. No one in storage asks for how many units do you have. Everyone asks how many net rentable, how how, how many net rentable do you do you control? So um, thirty one thousand existing net rentable square feet, and uh, we had the ability to do a thirty four thousand square foot expansion. So we're doubling the size of the facility. We're in the process of um, executing on that as we speak. We just closed on that uh, about two weeks ago, and um, you know, our goal here is to get this thing going vertical in June. Awesome. Well, sir, what part of the country are you in? Yeah, so we're in the Eastern Midwest in the Mid-Atlantic. So that particular property that we found is in Illinois. Illinois, um, nice. Yep. Okay. We're in, we're in secondary and tertiary markets. You know, you're trying to play in primary markets with self-storage. They, You're going up against REITs and the REITs, they control it. I mean... It's it's so different than you know multifamily because multifamily is so scattered and you know there's like so many different little buildings here there and everywhere versus in self storage there's not that many facilities so when you're in a, an area where there's a high concentration of REITs that control the inventory they can go negative in those sites just to literally put you out of business so they can buy you up. Fascinating. That is a true war right there. Okay. It is war, man. You, you yeah. got to be careful of the REITs. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You don't want to mess with them. Okay. So, I mean, I can keep going on and talking to you about self-storage, but we definitely, definitely do want into the quick rounds. These are going to be quick questions, quick answers. You ready, sir? Let's do it. All right. First question. What makes you mark unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next guy or the next girl? 
my network. Second question, what was the last book that you read? And what was the one thing that you picked up from that book? I read The Psychology of Money uh, by Morgan Housel, and it was Expand Your Return Horizon. Interesting. Final question, what do you do for fun? Fishing and snowboarding. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. If there's anybody listening and, you know, want to connect with you, kind of find out what you're doing, get to know you more, where's the best place people can reach out and get connected with you? Yeah, best place uh, to reach out is investingwithmark.com um, and then Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, backslash investingwithmark, M-A-R-K. That's a really good URL. I love it. Awesome. Well, really appreciate you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Awesome. Had a good time. Thanks, Ola.